Hi friends, it's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality energy, and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear. But never fear, there's power in numbers at the Spark File. So let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day. And if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with The Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the Brave Creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. Thesparkfile.com. Register now. The Sparkfile podcast may contain profanity and other adult content. Please use your discretion. When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark file. To be something that I wanna make or how I wanna be, I pump it in my spark file. I jump into my spark file. Let's open up the spark Welcome to the Spark File, where we believe that everyone is creative, but smart, creative people don't go it alone. I'm Laura Camion. And I'm Susan Blackwell. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. But you may be asking yourself, what exactly is a Spark File? Where do I get one? What do I file in it? These are such good questions. We actually have an answer for you. We do. A Spark File is a place where you consistently collect all your inspirations and fascinations and If you're like us and you're making stuff all the time, you know that sometimes the wellspring of inspiration can run a little dry. We're here to refill it. We are. And we are on the lookout for fresh ideas, images, and inspiration that spark creativity and pique curiosity, things that inspire us to get up off of our asses and make things like this podcast. Or a Tony-nominated show that you write and star in all the way to Broadway, baby. Or a big, bold piece of musical theater that takes us inside other worlds. Or a TV pilot script that puts your broken yet whole heart on the page. On today's Makersode, we're going to talk with somebody who really, and I mean really, sparks us. Really sparks (laughs) us. And that someone is... Hunter Bell. Hunter, welcome to The Spark spark File. Hi, everybody. Hi, Susie. Hi, Laura. Hi, Hunter. We're so, so happy that you're joining us today. I'm happy to be here. You're two of my favorite sparks. (gasps) 
your favorite spark of ours. I, I'm super excited. For those of you who haven't had the pleasure, Hunter Bell is a Tony-nominated Broadway writer and actor. He's also just a grade A human being, one of our nearest and dearest. And as if that wasn't enough, he is also a SparkFile creativity coaching client, which is to say what? we are all up in his creative business and we like him so much. <laughs> All of that is true. Our peanut butter, his chocolate, his chocolate, our peanut butter. Delicious. It's obscene. Hunter. I'm a long time a listener, first time guest. (laughs) You already know then what question's coming at you. We like to start with the basics. Where are you right now? How are you right now? For reals. I am in New York City right now. And right now, I'm really excited to have time with you both. I love you both as human beings and as as creative beings, not beings, beings, like pinto beans. And uh, (laughs) so I'm excited to be with you. I just have come off um, a good time with my brother. I had not seen my brother. Shout out to Deaton Bell, who is a creative spark in my life. Hi, Deaton. I know. He'll he'll listen to this. And so I had not seen my brother in quite some long time based on pandemic times. And I got to be with him. And I will share the honest truth in the spark by honesty. Um, Mm -hmm. I was with him. We had time together. But his sweet dog passed away, his 12-year-old pup. So shout out to Remy, who was a beautiful, sweet soul. And we were together. We were together as a family. I was with my brother. So I'm a little like um, just coming off of being with family and yeah. and losses in my brain and heart and, and being present because nothing will make you more present than, you know, uh, transitioning. Yeah, that is true. And that is real. That was an honest answer. Thank you for being honest. I love that. I love that there's like no need to to fake it on that first question. You might fake it later, yeah. but on that first question, totally legit realness. Well, I they like to think lots of listeners have little fluffs or pets in their lives who are like family members. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people might relate to, um, to having that energy around you and when that changes a little bit too. So shout out Agreed. to all the Spark listeners with little four-legged and floops and floops. Yeah. Hunter B. I think that's really sweet. Wes and I were just talking because we just moved back to New York and we got in our new place and we were like, um, this is the first apartment that we haven't had our kitty. Yeah. You know, <gasps> kitty moved with yeah. us from apartment to apartment and then passed passed away in Florida. And so we're thinking of our little fluff ball too. I think about a lot too, how the world is and folks are at home you know a lot and how that energy and that time of bonding with a little um pup maybe uh has been nice but yeah so that's the honest answer i i have a lot of gratitude and a lot of awareness of presence and uh and i don't know just in the world today gratitude to be here and safe and with you guys and i feel um a lot of gratitude Group hug. We're glad you're here. But listen, before you go any further trying to muscle into the Spark File, we must request the Spark File price of admission. Pay up. Can you tell us a creative risk that you have taken recently and you can't get past the bouncer until you do? <laughs> Laura is the bouncer. Go That's ahead. Right. <laughs> fake ID. I got my Spark fake ID. Um, I have recently been taking a creative risk. Um, truly based on the work of happily 
been doing with you all for many months now and my spark file group two things coming on the first is working on a pilot jumping back in on a television pilot and putting some energy and thought into what story i'd want to tell through that medium nice uh that has been a creative risk and also the creative risk of how to navigate having a live theatrical show other world the musical i'm working on mm. be taken away and be <laughs> and gonna happen then not happen then gonna happen not happen how to build and take kind of creative risks around that when you don't have certainty around yeah. when it may be we're starting to have more certainty with that project so those are two risks tv pilot and how to give creative lift and energy to my live theater project well done i'd say that you are officially admitted into the spark file i'm in the club yeah you're in the club 20, 21 to drink 18 to party <laughs> <laughs> For people who don't know you, how do you identify creatively? Like when people ask, what do you do? How do you answer that question? I'm laughing because I'm going to also be super honest about this. <laughs> so <laughs> it's called maker sewed, right? It is. So the word maker is, it has an interesting place based in my head and heart the past few months. <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I recently turned 50 and fabulous um Yay! and i made a decision to take myself to, to cherry grove fire island i've never been there i was like that would be a great place i had a vision i want to turn 50 be by the ocean wasn't really feeling a lot of like plane travel so that's close i could get there by train and ferry felt really great and i was really moved by the history of the island of what was made there and I I go to a restaurant and I walk in and a very sweet, hot guy named Anthony is like, Hunter Bell, I know your name. How do I know you? And I say, oh, well, I'm a maker. <laughs> I'm a maker. Yeah, you did. And he's like, what? What? I was like, well, I wrote this show. He's like, oh my God, title show. I know that show. I was very complimentary of it. And was like, oh, you wrote title show. I'm like, yeah, I wrote that. And I was like, why don't I just say I wrote it? So I, but I think it goes to the heart. Sometimes I've had trouble owning or having some feelings around when people ask me what I do. I was like, oh, I'm a writer. And they're like, well, what do you write? And I'm like, a ah, Broadway show. And I'm like, a title of show. Maybe you know it. Nine people's favorite thing. So it is exposing and I will expose to you all. Why don't you just say I wrote Wicked? I, I can do that now. I was like, <laughs> Avita, ever heard of it? It's amazing. Um, but so I, that's why Maker makes me laugh. I told Anthony I was a maker. Um, and which I am a maker. And this is a maker. So, but long answer to land the plane. I'm a writer. I'm a writer and a creative producer of things. I don't necessarily mean like line producer, budget, financial, but I produce ideas. And producer can mean a lot of different things. That's right. Yeah, I produce things. And I'm a creative, imaginative uh, guy. You, you certainly are. And I'll also say you're not the first person to express um, – that they have difficulty like owning yeah. the title. I think especially like when you have such reverence for that thing that it, sometimes it can be, it can be scary slash weird slash, you know, something to say like, I am that. Yeah. But you very much are that. I am really working hard to like own it to be like, Oh wait, no, I am a writer and I'm the very successful one. And I'm really proud of what I write. And I think some of it has to do with the ideas of the fear of what, the question comes after it, like, what did you write? Mm -hmm. And like the, the worth around yeah. that too. And then sometimes, you know, I just want to be like, um, 
be anonymous in the world. Um, but, but that was an example of, I said I was a maker and I think I sounded odd, but I'm a writer. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. So Hunter, to all of this, let's turn back the hands of time a little bit. You actually started your creative career as an interpretive artist, but you've almost completely transitioned to being an originating artist. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey from interpretive artist to originating artist? Yeah, I think I did what I knew how to do. I always, like my brother and I wrote things and we made movies and we <laughs> did plays and movies in my aunt's basement with the camera, video camera from my uncle. And we made all that kind of stuff. So we were like writing, producing, we didn't even know. We were just playing, playing, playing. And we were put on the Grease album and dancing in my cousin's backyard. Um, a way back to that. <laughs> so I did plays. I did community theater. I did high school theater. I was all into high school thespians. I loved all that. And then I went to college for musical theater, happily at Webster University. So I knew, I was like, oh, that's what I know in the world. That's what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And I got a degree in musical theater from Webster University and worked regionally and worked as an actor and auditioned all around. And I never got like a Broadway show as an actor uh for a long long time i did eventually but my broadway debut was i was in the ensemble of um how the grinch stole christmas a musical adaptation at the saint james theater which was amazing and it was historic and i loved it it was a, felt like a dream come true to be able to perform in that theater as an actor it was fantastic so, so fun it's a really special show starring patrick page patrick page so good it was amazing it was a really really special show it was incredibly proud of being a part of that mainly because it was Jack O'Brien was the director for those listening. He's a you know great director of plays and musicals on Broadway and around the world and helped the old globe theater started. But Jack said to us, this is a lot of young people's first show. And so let's, let's knock it out of the park mm-hmm. and give them wonder and make them fall in love with theater. And that's all I needed. Cause I was like, Oh yeah. And you do the show four times a day. It was incredible. It was really fun people. Patrick's amazing. So that was my Broadway debut as an actor but I'd always been writing. And so the transition was kind of honestly came through knowing Jeff Bowen and Susan Blackwell. I met Jeff Bowen as a actor. We were in a production of Good News together and as performers. And then through Jeff, I met Susan Blackwell. And through Susan Blackwell, I met Laura Camion. And friends. I hear they're great. It's fortuitous. Everybody involved is on this call. Um, Laura Camion was had a theater space and said, Hey, do you want to write something? And we did. Is that right, Laura? Isn't that right? That is absolutely correct. You saying, Hey, I have this space. Do you want to have a couple nights paralleled with me getting an email about the New York Music Theater Festival saying we're taking submissions and that's how title of show started. And so that energy. Thanks, James Compton. Thanks, James Yay. Compton. Listener, I was working with James at a place called Booksmart for many years. Shout out to Booksmart packing yes. book boxes. Oh, Booksmart. This is a, this is a, feels like a squirrely answer, but it, it came from, I was a music theater lover and performer. And then I worked in a book warehouse packing books by day. And then I met people like Susan Blackwell and Jeff Bowen, who kind of gave me permission. Susan, at that time, you were doing Wonder Twins with Rebecca Finnegan. Rebecca Finnegan. I was like, wait, Susan, you you can write your own stuff. You don't have to just go to auditions and you can make your own things and put it up and have a space. And then Laura Cameron's like, I have a space. (laughs) And so you guys truly 
both introduced me to this idea in New York that you could do that. I didn't think I didn't think that was an option. I knew how to do it like in my backyard with my brother in my aunt's basement. But then I did high school shows and college shows and regional theater shows and off-Broadway shows. And I was like, oh, you can make your own stuff and put it up. So thanks, guys. Yes. I think sometimes we buy into this idea that there is a system. We have to work within the system. We have to, there are gatekeepers and we have to collaborate with or move through those gatekeepers in order to make things happen. But frankly, you can just totally go rogue. You can. I love it. You both, you truly are both people who kind of opened those gates for me because I was like, wait, Laura's a producer? Oh yeah, she's producing. Wait, Susan is a writer, director, creator? Oh yeah, that's what they look like. They don't look like whatever cartoon version <laughs> I learned from Bugs Bunny or the Muppets or, you know. Yeah, and I mean, you don't even have to have it all figured out because like for me, I was just, frankly, it was vanity projects. I was producing my own stuff written by me with my friends in it. And I had like a, signed up for, I got a residency at a theater space accidentally and then was like sure sign me up for like five shows this year and did not know how those five shows were going to materialize or happen i was like i've got one that i've written but i must know some talented friends who can write the others and susan blackwell i remember susan being like oh man i think i'm i think my my dance card is full right now but I know some people, and I specifically remember being at your kitchen table. Me too, Laura. Hunter Bell. So viscerally. I can shut I, my eyes. I remember it clear as day. I'm so thankful. I remember looking at that calendar, and you're like, have it. And it was it was game-changing. It was Because I was like, wait, we get to put this on. And what was game-changing, but too, not just the permission and the geography and the space and the time and the, like, opening the door to say do this was how fun it was and how much i loved it and how much like 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 that it's truly sparked joy and creativity be making things i love with people that i love as susan blackwell says and i was like wait oh this is an option i know i keep repeating that too but again you're right susan i think we get conditioned of like well this is how it works and i truly think i know i joke i was like I guess I learned it from TV and movies and I'm like the producer at MGM or whatever, you know, like, a, like our Bugs Bunny trying to sell a song <laughs> on Tin Pan Alley. I was like, oh, you have to, there's that Golden Palace idea from now hear this, Susan Blackwell, of like, oh, that's for others. And it wasn't. And like you both made space to learn that. So that was the, the key of kind of going from like, oh, I have an idea for a thing to like, wait, well, I have a show that goes on tonight in New York City. And it feels like you took that, ran with it, and just never looked back. Like you have been, since that moment, just continuing to originate work. Am I wrong about that? You're not. I credit it to like surrounding myself with a lot of great people. You, Susan, Jeff Bowen, Larry Presgrove, Heidi Blickenstaff, Michael Barras, Lee Overtree, Eli Bolin, Marcy Heisler, Zena Goldrich, Julie Andrews. Uh, John and Al Kaplan, who I did science with, these are all people, and this is what I love about musicals so much too, that I surrounded myself with to kind of almost like floaties on my arm as I'm learning to swim. Mm. And those people helped keep me buoyant. And on paper, they're sometimes like, I'm billed as like book 
and those folks are billed as like director or choreographer or music and lyrics. But those were people creatively I was surrounding myself with to learn from, to listen from. I don't assume that they didn't learn and listen from me, but I was, as I was kind of finding my way because I didn't have formal training as a writer, not that I think you need that at all, but I think I held on to that idea of like, oh, I didn't go to playwriting or I didn't go to a screenwriting school. I'm just telling stories. And so I surrounded myself with a lot of amazing collaborators that helped me never look back. It's mm. mm. amazing. Can you tell us a little bit, just bringing it into the present moment now, can you tell us a little bit about Otherworld? Yeah, I'm happy to. Otherworld is an original musical I am currently working on with Jeff Bowen and McNamee. Jeff and Anne are on music and lyrics. I'm on book. And it tells the story of a Two characters, Sri and Lorraine, that are magically transported into a video game. Mm -hmm. uh, specifically for my game nerds out there, uh, MMORPG, massive multiplayer online role-playing game. Sort of games people might know listening, like World of Warcraft. Um, that's not necessarily the style of our world, but that gives an idea of like where you create an avatar and you go and you have adventures and people love living in those worlds. I am not an avid gamer. I was a kid of Atari 2600, so I'm a gamer and, you know, arcade kid. Jeff Bowen is a big gamer. I started, I met Anne McNamee. We were working on a project, and then I was like, do you want to do something original, Anne? And she's like, yeah, sure. And we landed upon this gaming idea, and I had watched Jeff Bowen game. Jeff and I are working on a project for Disney called Villains Tonight. If you took a and you might enjoy that. We were working on that in Toronto, Canada, and I would watch him play a game called City of Heroes. And he would be like all into it. That was kind of his winding down. And he would be talking to people on headsets. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Who are you talking to? Do they know you? Who are what? And <laughs> they didn't know him, but they didn't know Jeff. They knew the avatar. Shout out to Lactic Prince and Jeff Bowen. But I watched him and I was fascinated by how people connect in this game world and what that world brings. I also was obsessed with like, you know, Alice in Wonderland and those Narnia Chronicles. I, you know, I, I would, Susan and I, you talked about this. We'd have dreams where like you had like a closet and it was a wardrobe and, you know, you'd open the door and there's the whole magical land. So I love I I think that was more about living in New York in a studio <laughs> and op and wanting more space. I would open the closet and there would be like, oh my God, there's a room that I didn't even realize I had that I now get to decorate. Yeah. I had the clearest dream ever that I still remember. Again, same thing, studio, but the, the magical doors were like under the sink. Yes. And in this dream, I'm like, under the sink? You had more space. There is another room. <laughs> <laughs> what if I just changed Otherworld? Otherworld is a new musical about finding out your apartment is bigger than you think it is would be a hit <laughs> we run forever in new york new yorkers would love it no it's about gaming world but it, so it's about exploring a fictional gaming world that is not based on any kind of um existing game it's all original ideas of a game and ip but truly it's an exploration of how we connect it's a lot about loss when I was writing this show, uh, I lost my mom, Jeff lost his dad, and lost mm. my brother. Mm. So we're, I think we're exploring loss and chosen family, biological family. I'm really excited by it. So we had a production. We were out of town at a theater called Bucks County Playhouse. We were in a rehearsal. Pandemic hit. We shut down. 
We were supposed to come back. Mm. We shut down again. And now we are slated to happen at uh, the Delaware Theater Company happily and explore that in the in the coming year. But it's been interesting to work on a live theatrical piece, like I said, and sort of like, we're going to do it. No, we're not. We're going to do it. No, we're not. And part of my journey, as you guys know, is what do you do around that property? And how do you keep people interested and creative with that too? So Jeff and Anna have written a great score. Adrian Campbell-Holt is a director. Uh, and she's wonderful. Carla Garcia, our choreographer. And we have a really phenomenal cast of people who've been developing this for years. Disabled actors, non-disabled actors, LGBTQIA, you know, like, we're, so we're really trying to build a cast that is representative of the gaming community. And mm-hmm. that's been exciting too, because you see a lot of uh, gamers with disabilities. There's an incredible convention called Gamer X, G-A-Y-M-E-R-X, that we would go to a while and see safe spaces for folks to experience games and game world themselves you know gaming is a complicated Mm -hmm. world obviously and there's a darker sides to all kinds of bullying and online things too but we are a musical piece that hopefully is going to celebrate a lot of inclusion and and, um Mm -hmm. celebrate how people do connect and find chosen family in that gaming world so i'm super excited because i haven't seen anything like it and that's another thing i'm excited about of how do i use musical theater mediums to show stories that we haven't seen before yeah Hunter B, I'm going to ask you something. You are so clearly a seasoned creative, but one of the many things to love about you is that you are still down to clown when it comes to personal growth, as evidenced by your participation in the Sparkfile Creativity Coaching Program, we might add. Yes. But you're always, you know, fully present and ready for it. We're curious, when you decided to um, begin coaching with us, were there specific creative challenges that you were experiencing that you wanted to tackle or dig into? Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I I feel like I don't know a lot about horoscopes. I mean, Gene Dixon aside, <laughs> uh, but I'm a Gemini. And I guess from Gemini, they're too, like, I mean, I like to read the horoscope and then, you know, be like, oh, that's totally what my day is like. I feel like I'm holding space for like, God, I'm productive, creative, and make a lot of cool stuff that people love and that I love. And it was experiencing a lot of anxiety around creating, having feelings of self-doubt, having feelings of feeling like a fraud, having feelings like, could I produce something else that moves people, like other things I had done? And specifically, I remember, I think I said to you both, of, I was seeking to find joy in my creative process. Yes, that's right. And and, and when I, you work and happily at the level I do, and there are specific demands on what you make, not every moment is, you know, like skipping through the fields, but I was missing some joy and I was not moved to create uh, as freely and as openly as I wanted to. And so that's why I sought you out. And also kind of a community of like-minded creatives, as well as some discipline, to be honest, too, because I feel sometimes very undisciplined in my work. We've been really inspired by how much you've gotten done in the past six months that we've been working together. Can you talk about what you've accomplished and what's changed for you during this this time with the Sparkfile Select Group Creativity Coaching Program? Oh, the name just trips off the tongue. <laughs> um, yeah, happy to. I joined like for the reasons I mentioned about you know wanting some joy, wanting some better practice, um, better tools in my toolkit creatively, because I can get the job done, but sometimes it's a little squirrely to get there, and it's like a, a little like 
taking a kid that doesn't want to go to school. I'm dragging myself. I'm like, I don't want to, yes. I don't want to, you know, like, please. And yes. looking for excuses. Like I feel sick today and I want to stay home and watch prices. <laughs> right. And have ginger ale and crackers. And it's like, like a long way, you know, how do we get some more joy, ease and struggle, uh, less struggle. I went in around a couple things to think about because other world was on pause because we weren't able to open based on pandemic rules in the world. And, how how do I use that time to make that show the best it can be to do rewrites and to think about, I've been thinking a lot about that show and also theater in general of when your experience starts with the storytelling, uh, specifically like when you buy the ticket, when you enter the building, when you leave the building. And so I had some ideas that I wanted to accomplish and work with my collaborators about telling stories about that story on social media and especially because we have this time and how do you build an audience for an unknown original musical you know it's not based on anything so you got to build a brand essentially so that was a lot of times i was thinking about that and also thinking about reacting to the world how and why are we telling stories and how can they matter in the world we live in you know based on everything that's happening and how do we make stories feel useful, inclusive, open-hearted, connected, connected to community. And since the show's so much about community, a lot of the work I'm trying to do in, in my time with Sparkfile is connecting that show to communities and, and how it spills off the stage and how shows can have impact, not just as the show themselves, but can the show affect communities and bring people together as a collective mind too. So that is one thing. And then you all challenged me too of like, um, what else you got, you know, <laughs> to really like <laughs> to be disciplined. And I thought about that. And in this time too, I uh, began a TV pilot idea. And Jeff and myself were very fortunate to have a run around the track uh, with an incredible producer, Sabrina Wind, around title Showtime and had a little dance in LA. And it was incredible and also terrifying and anxiety making is the honest answer. I loved making it. I loved working with Sabrina and I was terrified the whole time around it. There was yeah. like a lot of fear and anxiety of imposter syndrome around that. And so consequently, it made me not lean into using that medium to tell stories. Happily, I filled my days making awesome musicals, but I think I had a lot of fear. So a lot of it was tackling those stories and using this time to build my toolbox because I love that medium. I love television. Yeah. I mm. love me some TV. And yeah. I want to do that. And I was like, how do we remove the blocks? both creatively and emotionally so I can do that. Love that. It's so inspiring, you know, to hear you talk about that and everything that we know about you. Um, just like giving yourself permission to take another fucking swing at it. Like, I'm not going to shy away from this or, you know, run in the other direction, but rather let me like step back up to the plate and take a crack at it. Yeah. And not constantly go to, the file of evidence that would say it would be hard and it would feel exactly like it did before. Yeah, exactly. I feel like we've watched you step-by-step step really redefine what you wanted your experience to be around your creativity. So not just making things, which is a heavy lift in and of itself, but also what is the flavor around the activity of making things? And you really, I feel like you are really redefining that on a day-by-day -day basis. I think so. Thanks. It's nice to hear reflected like that. I, I've been thinking a lot about how I make stuff, why I make stuff, and 
what happens when I make that stuff and it goes out to the world. Look, I have a lot of privilege. I got to do an amazing show on Broadway with people I love that changed my life and changed a lot of other people's lives. And I'm so proud of that. And, you know, great power comes great responsibility, Spider-Man. And how do I, how do I use the privilege of that experience and who I am and the way I look and make things that hopefully are not just awesome, but make the world a better place. I'm, I'm really kind of consciously thinking about how we make them and uh, how we gather to make them and what it feels like in the making of them. And I think I'm not alone in that. I think lots of people are happily questioning um, practices and processes in in the making of things and, and taking seriously the responsibility of holding a megaphone of what I put out into the world. Yeah. You're... Um, I know there are a lot of people, you know, uh, us included, who are thinking about these things. But one of the other things I love about you is you are so clear about your intention and your ability to articulate it is very inspiring. Um, Thank you. I just, I just love it. Thanks. I think that's coming to focus in the past year, honestly, and the work through you help with you all. I'm going to do a shout out to Jenny Clift, uh, who you yes. featured on the spark file. And for those listeners yes, who haven't Jenny. listened to that episode, take a dive. Jenny's been amazing. And to refresh, uh, uh, emotional freedom tapping is connected to creativity and processing life and past traumas so that you can be not just the fullest artist you can be open hearted artist and live up to your creative potential, but fullest human being possible too. Mm -hmm. So Jenny, Marilyn, my therapist, my friends, you guys, family, <laughs> like truly taking some time working out fitness, shout out to Mark Fisher fitness, shout out to yes. meditation tool, Emily Fletcher. Like there is a team I'm collectively putting together, I think to really help me be my best self so I can make really cool stuff and change the world. You know, you bring up a, a point that is I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. Obviously, we're coaches. So in a way, what I'm about to say is a bit self-serving, but it's it has been my personal experience as well that having that carefully selected team of coaches and guides has totally changed my life. 100%. Uh, a million percent for me too. It took me a while to kind of get to a place. Uh, it was to been tied to, to ask for help. I was like, just do it alone. Like put on my Superman yes. cape and just like, don't bother other people. It tapped into like people pleasing. I'm like, just lift, just bootstrap this and figure yourself out and up and lift it up and out. And I have re more recently than not been allowing myself to ask for help and to get the help I need to live a more joyously full and creative life. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, it's everything that you talk about. It's connection, it's community. And, you know, as human beings, I just think it comes down to like, we need each other. You know, the introverts in us, you know, we all sort of crave that alone time and that American sort of individualism, that rugged individualism that we're, we're told, you know, we can kind of struggle it out ourselves. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I think we need each other. Uh, it's amazing you say that, Laura. Laura. It makes me think that the themes I often read, you know, artists are processing and digesting similar themes in a lot of their works. And a lot of what I make, I think, is about connection and family, chosen family, biological family, and meeting other people and connecting. The title of the show, Now Hear This, Found. Uh, even Great American Mousical, <laughs> that, you know, was a musical about... Uh, pulling together and working together and needing each other to succeed. 
And Otherworld is no exception of like needing plot wise to succeed and get out of the game alive, you know, stakes yeah. plot wise, but how we need each other to be complete and whole and heal each other and heal ourselves so we can heal others too. And that kind of Vedic meditation for those that follow. Um, but it's a lot about connection is, is, is something and, I'm exploring. And if, if I may extrapolate, it is one of the reasons why I feel really proud and really grateful to this group that we are all a part of to this creativity group, because I just see how it is. It's just creating this sort of safe container slash incubator for people to try stuff to sometimes fail at stuff, but just take big swings and know that there's a, a really soft landing, really compassionate, but, but also sometimes rigorous feedback. It's, it, it, I don't know. It makes my heart swell just because I, I do think it is um, just one manifestation of what you're talking about, Hunter. I agree. And, you know, making stuff is fun and challenging and making great stuff is really vulnerable and you need a safe place to be messy and chaotic and for it to be quote unquote terrible, you know, if that's a, mm-hmm. a, a thing, I mean, it's sort of as an adjective you use or the feeling that it gives you is that it is terrible learning. It's not, it's just like, that's where it is today. You all were a part of a reading I did of this TV pilot the other night and trying to find some joy with fellow collaborators in it being so not there, so not there. And what's interesting is about, you know, as audience members, we see things when they're there and that's what we should. We don't need to know how the sausage is made. You know, we, we enjoy Mm -hmm. a beautiful finished product and, but you don't often see, and this is why I appreciate you guys podcast too, makers talking about, it's so scary. It's so vulnerable. It feels like you want to curl in a ball and it feels like moments like I'm embarrassed that this is being said out loud <laughs> in this form right now. Yeah. Like that's the feeling in my body and my body shakes yeah. and I'm like, this isn't good enough. And I feel sad and embarrassed and not even like, I'm not even joking. Like I for real want to crawl into the quilt and be like, I don't, I can't do this. I don't think I got this. I feel sick. I feel sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel sick. <laughs> Can I call yeah. yeah. And so to have the space and some like-minded folks to be like, that okay so you think it's terrible keep going literally as we chant in class i love it keep going and to me it seems so oversimplified but that is the t-shirt bumper sticker that's how stuff gets made that's how stuff gets made that's how title show got made that's how everything i've made that's how other worlds getting made that's how this pilot will be made anything on this planet is somebody happily either told themselves or somebody told them i love it keep going so you have all this great work in the world yeah yes to all that um, Hunter B, you know, this might touch back on, we'll see if this touches back on something we already talked about, but you know that we're fascinated by the topic of failure or perceived failure. And um, we're curious if you would be willing to share with us just something creative that you attempted that you perceived as a failure and how you processed it, what you learned from it. That sort of thing. Um, I don't know if it falls under failure, but I think I've carried around that my path was supposed to look like something else. And so I, I, it feels, it can feel like failure in my body sometimes. 
I'm sure it doesn't look like that from the outside at all. So it's an interesting thing to process and even discuss as an artist. I've had incredible success, incredible success and accolades. And in my brain, I'm like, oh, your path is you, <laughs> honestly, you write a Broadway show, it happens. Then you go out and you write your TV show and then that happens and then you write a screenplay and then you have a house in Malibu. I think I literally like, again, made up a story and was like, that's a narrative. And I got opportunities and got close to things happening, but it didn't happen like in a linear way. And I let the comparison vampire into my body and I saw peers have a different trajectory. And mind you, their trajectory is their journey. But I compared mine. I was like, oh, am I failing because I didn't move from this theatrical success into this other medium success or turn that into... winning an Oscar or, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like that others and the comparison or that either through accolades, awards, even opportunities or using, using my powers in other mediums, it didn't look like others. I made other shows, but somehow I think I often have equated that with somehow failing Mm -hmm. or I don't know if I say the F word out loud, but I feel like that it is not successful, that it wasn't successful. Does that make sense? Do do you still feel that or was that an unexamined thought that you have subsequently examined and processed? I think I've uh, processed it a lot and feel it less and have felt it also less too in the past two, three years. And I also feel it less because it certainly goes away when I'm making awesome shows I love. Yeah. But I think I often equated it with, honestly, as someone who grew up, um, we weren't as wealthy as other folks around me, you know? And mm-hmm. so, and I carried, mm-hmm. I carried around um, feeling different than wealthy kids, you know, like that I was a scholarship kid or something like that. So I think a lot of my brain was like a financial thing in my head that that would solve problems. Yeah. Does that make sense? I put it in like sort of like a financial sort of either financial or showbiz that like I wasn't on variety or deadline didn't announce that my sitcom got picked up or my pilot got made or, you know, like that the, that the world was experiencing a different kind of success in a different category than me or a meteor meteor sort of way. Yes. I think it makes so much sense. I've thought so much about this and we all have talked about this To You know, I now I have to check myself and I'm just like, wait a second, wait a second. Before you go down that wormhole, are you happy? Mm-hmm. And yes. I'm like, I am. I, and by my metric, I want to make work that I love with people that I love. I want to make a good living doing it and I want it to be sustainable. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm really happy on my own terms and I'm doing great. And it looks nothing like I thought it would look when I was pick your age, 16, Mm -hmm. 18, 25, but it's, it's born out of knowing myself better and making choices that really, really feel good in my body that aren't so much about what other people esteem to be successful. It almost feels like a vestige of an old vision board that uh-huh. we made when we were a younger age. It's so true. You know, I, it makes me think too about if I, what I've kind of learned, like, well, that would happen and it will happen when you want it to happen and it's supposed to happen. You know, and the re- and yeah. the release of that, the the aha Oprah moment of surrender and 
and trusting universe, I, I am at sort of tune with that. And the meditation and the tapping and the tools and the coaching has helped my brain kind of relax. And, and strangely, in the release of sort of the, the, the burden of either desire or envy or of feelings of body of like, oh, I'm not supposed to, or what am I supposed to? And living in the present. And like you said, Susan, asking that question, wait, I'm happy. I'm, I really like yeah. what I'm doing. I'm making really cool stuff mm-hmm. and I love it. I'm doing great. I think great things are going to happen through the freedom and the, and the surrender to that. But the gripping or the feeling in my body of gripping of like, oh, I'm, I'm not successful at something. I'm failing at something. Just kind of a breath and release of all that. Thanks to toolbox things is been quite freeing and makes room for a lot of creativity, you know? So I think I, I no wine before it's time, as they say, and the release <laughs> and the breath of that. And I'm, and I'm learning, I'm getting better and I'm working harder and I'm working smarter. And I also think I just, something in my body maybe didn't want that or wasn't ready for it or didn't know how to do it yet. Yeah. And that's so right. I was like, Oh, good work universe. Good work. Now I, now I know what to do and what I want to say and how I want to say it. So focus in and do that. I love what you just said, though, about like, when you release it, you make so much more space for the actual creativity. And I think about like how much energy goes into all of that stuff or has like in the past gone into all that stuff. And I'm like, none of that is real. What's real is you're getting words on the page, you're getting shows up on their feet, you know, that that's the real part of it. You're, you're doing it. I love that, Laura. That is true. That that is the real part. All the other stuff is um, I honor it, but it's noise. It's noisy, uh-huh. and it's phantoms in comparison. And yeah, yes, and it's a lot of mental real estate, like you said, Laura. And it is interesting to when that is quieted. That's where the joy comes. Where I'm like, I'm just making stuff on the page. I'm, you know, like, and I love this and the workflow in, and now I have something to take to somebody to read, to go make the pilot, you know, like, but you got to get your, you got to do a little house cleaning to, to get my one and my head and heart and spirit. Right. Um, I do believe I had a great teacher kind of say we're in the energy transference business. And I do believe that, you know, as, as writers, so the energy you're putting on the page has a better chance of moving and shifting the world in profound ways. I think if, if you're aligned, I know that sounds a little woo woo, but actually believe it of like, if I'm open hearted and getting ideas and connected and love and pain and joy on a page, I think it's a pretty good chance that either the reader or the recipient of it through whatever medium is going to feel that because that's, that's what went into it. I honestly believe Absolutely. that. I really do believe that. Yeah. Like you can feel yeah. it. You may not be able to express it as an audience, but I do believe that too. Like, I'm like you can kind of tell. Some people may be fooling me, but I think you can tell. I agree with that. So we have a question that was shared with us by fellow Sparkfile Creativity Coaching Group member, Michael Raddy. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Shout out to Michael. Full disclosure, this question was actually shared by Michael's brother-in-law. So shout out to Michael's brother-in-law. We love this question. We're going to try it out on you. Is there something that you're proud of or that you love that you don't get to talk about often that you'd like to tell us about? <laughs> Is there something I'm proud of? It's funny. I'm, I'm, things float to the top. You know, I was just kind of taking a breath and seeing like what floats to the top. <laughs> I don't know if this counts, but what comes to mind is 
I love looking at television. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I've just come off of like time with my brother uh, and that like we there's a great Simpsons line we love and Bart it's in a, that great episode of um, Bart of Darkness where they get a pool and he breaks his leg and he becomes like a recluse uh-huh. recluse up in his and it's rear, sort of window. rear window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and he goes, ah, time to get reacquainted with an old friend called television. <laughs> and there is something lately about the medium too. I don't know, but that's what comes to mind of just like how powerful stories are through that. Yeah. And I, I talk about shows with people, but how much I fall in love with shows in that that art. And I think I don't talk, I came to mind, I don't talk about because I love musical theater. I grew up like loving musicals and plays and like I got to see shows in high school and I think I talk about that a lot and especially through like title show and I heard this very theatrical based, but storytelling came to me through watching TV. I loved it. I loved TV <laughs> when we didn't have cable. I love it when we have cable. <laughs> I love the Simpsons. I love the Muppet show. I love Sesame street. I love it in the morning. <laughs> I love it at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Sugar in the morning, sugar in the evening. It's funny. My brother and I were just talking. We just started watching a reboot of Fantasy Island, which yes. I'm obsessed with right now. I loved The Love Boat. I love like TV, and I know they can get the bad rap sometimes. I really love television stories, and I love some reality television, and I love all kinds of things. So maybe I do talk about that a lot. You can, you guys <laughs> around me sometimes. Do I talk about TV enough? But I think I identify a lot as a theater and theater maker, but it's so interesting like to be pulled of like, oh, that's interesting that I don't say that out loud a, a lot. And sometimes nothing brings me more joy than drag than race. Snuggle up <laughs> than drag race and drag race Hispania and Holland and the whole dynasty. What's your home show? You like. Um, oh, uh, I love um, Hometown oh, with Aaron and Ben yeah. Napier. And um, I love HGTV. But I really love, I love Parks and Rec. I love The Simpsons. I loved Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I love the love boat. I love my TV friends. I love that. <laughs> it makes so much sense because we do, like time-wise, we get to spend more time with those people than than most of our, our theater characters. You know, when we go see a show, we might see that show over and over again, but on television, you could have, you know, 10 seasons of something. I love that. I think that's right. I haven't thought about that too, of like, I'll listen to a cast recording over and over, but you're right. After 10 seasons, I have a really special, interesting, weirdo thing place in my heart. Uh, two things. Some things are talking Vamps is one thing. <laughs> that's nothing came to mind. I love like instrumental vamps. Everything. Oh, you from, do. Like, you love a musical figure. Yeah. yeah. Underscoring. Musical figures. Underscoring. <laughs> I remember like I love the Sunny in the Park with George cast recording. But when I see that on stage, there's this beautifully orchestral, orchestral arrangements that are the scene changes that are just mm-hmm. like make me weep and give me chills thinking about it. So I love vamps and everything from vamps to instrumental to, I love Brandy and Monica, the boy is mine. And there was like a 12 inch like remix instrumental. And I would listen to it over and over and over. <laughs> so it's like underscoring instrumental vamps uh, comes to mind too. Of, I love uh, that was a little bit, uh, uh, sorry, of a ramp off a vamp so ramp. Good. A, so twofer. Um, a twofer. But yeah, you spend so much time. 
a twofer. You spend so much time with TV characters, vamps, and last episodes of shows like where the friends <laughs> put the key on, or they turn out the lights on Cheers, oh, or even like I have a really visceral feeling in my body. Uh, I used to love all those real worlds. I would watch those, like, and binge <laughs> them. And like, you know, they would be like, they pick up this person and they pick up this person and you're the last person in the house. Like, <laughs> so there's something that says I'll unpack that in therapy and tapping as well about goodbyes. And you used to watch, you used to watch MTV's the challenge, which I still watch. <gasps> and I was, Laura, we bonded on this. <laughs> I was a little mortified to be like, Oh God, Hunter's given up the challenge, but I'm still on it. Laura's still on the challenge. <laughs> I, what I love about the challenge is now, like, that's their careers. They've been doing totally. challenges for 20 years. Totally. And I think I could easily get back on. I'm not I'm not above it. I just fell out and other things fell sure. in. And I could easily, and in fact, as you say this, full disclosure, podcast listeners, I subscribe to, and it's not add to the Paramount and whatever. And I looked, I'm like, oh my God, they have a challenge in all the seasons of those. So yes. um, I, I have to watch myself because I'll, I'll fall into your to, TV box. I, I fall into my TV box of love. As, as much as I love it, I was like, wait, I, I can love it, but I got to make space to make my own. <laughs> it, it makes sense. Yeah. That you, that you are in love with this medium and that you are, actively pursuing not only making something for this medium, but also doing it in a way that imbues it with that love. Well, title show is that great Jeppo and Lyric. When we set out to write this musical, we said we'd write a show that we want to see. Yeah. And that's why I feel like I've like always been like, what do I want to see on TV? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff, people making things that I do want to see, but what story, if I have the megaphone and I'm going to press that button and announce something, what do I want to be broadcast? Through? Mm-hmm. Yes. I like it. I like yes. it. I just want to say thank you again to Michael Ratty and his brother-in-law for that gem of a question. Oh, yes, yes, yes. so thoughtful and it makes me, it made me joyous to think about. So shout out to that yeah, question. Yeah, great question. Um, Hunter, you have been in the creativity business for a little while. Can you give us some good creative advice? Some good creative advice. Um, surround yourself with awesome people. I think about everything's collaborative. I think about, I mean, you know, if you, if you, if you would like for your work to be out there, there also is a place in the world you can work by yourself and you can, I am all about, if you want to paint a painting and just have it in your house, that is as important and profound as it hanging in, you know, Musée d'Orsay or something, you know, like yeah, I, I truly actually believe that of like, things don't have to be published to be profound and resonate. But if you are interested in that, Surround yourself with awesome people that will help lift you up when you get scared or want to give up. Um, and even if writing a novel, you have an editor or you have a best friend or you know someone you're bouncing ideas off of. Collaboration and listening take a lot of time. And I'm still a work in progress of how to show up um, open-heartedly and as my best self and how to show up to listen to others' ideas and make room for them and also marry and braid them with my voice and what I want to hear. Um, and the advice I do love, and I don't know if it was given to me or I'm claiming it, but maybe it's both is as you're listening, collaborating, challenge yourself to really list. Are you really listening and breathing and being present in a working collaborative artistic environment 
or, and I say this from having to learn it too and remind myself, am I just waiting for the other person to finish so I can say the thing I want to say? And if it, and I encourage A, because all boats rise when you let it in. And that goes back again to being your best self, to getting your house clean and showing up as your best self and being responsible for the energy you bring into a room so that everyone feels respected and heard in the same way you want to be respected and heard. And that is a lifelong journey for me of like collaborating because you're going to collaborate, hopefully. That's awesome. Hunter, is there a creative thing you know you absolutely need to do before you're done? Yeah, I'd like to have a TV show on the yes. air that I create and produce. Yes. And then from that, I would love to spark and give me the resources and frankly, money and authority or the P word power to make space to lift up other stories and artists that I want the world to see. Yes. Mm. yes. So a production company to turn and say, Hey, I like this story. I like you get over here and let's build this and let's find the resources for you to tell this story. That's great. That's great. Hunter, here's a question we ask all of our guests. You work really fucking hard. What's it all for? I think the word connection comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, we've talked a lot about this in this episode about connection, those themes coming together and like real connection, the feeling where like you feel something, the other person feels something. Um, well, that's me watching the love boat in fantasy <laughs> Island or Mr. Rogers or somebody watching something I make. I think it is so that we feel connected, which means me to the idea to feel less alone. That's what we work fucking hard for to feel connected. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Finally, Hunter Bell, what or who is sparking you these days? You've shared Fantasy Island reboot. <laughs> it is. It really is. Do you are you just holding steady with Fantasy Island reboot? I don't know. It's checking a lot of boxes, either nostalgia, but it's beautiful to look at. I think about that TV show Vigneno, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Mm. I hope I am. It was so beautiful. I was recently at the beach with my brother. Walking on the beach was really sparking me. Uh, and that was nice. Yeah. Being with my brother sparked me. Being with my family. I was gonna say it's corny, but I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna qualify because it's not gratitude is sparking me the world is really complex right now and finding pockets of gratitude for basic things like <laughs> safety health shelter yes. yeah. uh, putting things in perspective of, of like wow i have a lot of privilege and i get to tell some stories and i'm safe and healthy and have three hots and a cot as i say and so so kind of that gratitude is sparking me as i look around the world and it feels hard and scary sometimes that, wow, there's a lot to be grateful for in my world right now and some abundance that I'm really grateful for and my health, which I'm grateful for. And so that sparks me to use those things to maybe make some stuff that make others feel connected and joyous. Mm. Hunter B. Beautiful. I have to say, like your gratitude is palpable. It's and it's it's really inspiring just having gotten the chance to like spend more time with you as of late. Um, it's really it's really meaningful. I, I really feel that gratitude radiating off of you and I think it affects other people. I really do. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Hunter Bell. Thank you for being our guest today on The Spark File. I'm super honored, I have to say. <laughs> we love you. We do. We I love you really guys. Love you. Thank you for inspiring me and so many people. And I really am honored to be a guest on something that I listen to on my walks in the park and love and lifts me and makes me think and cry and scared sometimes when they're scary. Sometimes they're scary, Hunter. <laughs> the, the spooky file, I call it. Um, but I love what you guys put in the world and um, no secret, I'll say on the podcast of how you both have changed my life and um, as an artist and as a human being. Oh, thank you, Hunter. Ditto. Likewise, I think that's it. This episode of the spark file was made on the lands of the Lenape and Seminole people. And we hope that it put another bunch of sparks in your file. Listen, if there's a spark you'd like us to explore, or if you've taken a spark and you fanned it into a creative flame and you'd like to share that, you can email us at the spark file at gmail.com or submit it through our website, the spark We'll even happily take your feedback, but you know the price of admission. First, we need you to share a creative risk that you've taken recently. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, five-star, review it. If you like this podcast, share it with people you love. And if you didn't like it, I don't know, Hunter Bell, what do you say to your critics? Haters to the left. <laughs> yes, to the girl. Left. Yes. If something tickles your fancy and gets your creative juices flowing, we are writing you a forever permission slip to make that thing that's been knocking at your door. It is your turn to take a spark and fan it into a flame. You got to take it and, and make it. Make it. Bye. Bye. Love you, Hunter. Love you, Hunter. I love you guys. Thank you. Bye. When I bump into something that inspires me, I dump it in my spark files. Could be something that I want to make or how I want to be. I pump it in my spark files. I jump into my spark files. Let's open up the spark files. Hi friends, it's Susan Blackwell from The Spark File, your one-stop shop for creativity where our doors are open. And if you smell something delicious, that's because Laura Camion and I have been cooking up something special, something designed to make a big difference in people's creative lives. Enter The Brave Creative, a free five-day guided adventure to rediscover the vitality energy and possibility in your creative process. Whether you're a writer, a performer, a baker, a candlestick maker, navigating the creative process can be a bear. But never fear, there's power in numbers at the Spark File. So let's link arms and make the trip together. It's May 13th through 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern, less than one hour per day. And if you can't join live, don't worry about it. You can watch the replay. Join us by going to thesparkfile.com to register. And hey, if you're not familiar with The Spark File, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Secondly, we work with hundreds of creatives of all different kinds who are ready to take their next big step. We help folks fear less and create more in a community that is so fun and vibrant. 
And if you have joined us before, know that we are going deep with the Brave Creative. So buckle up, Buttercup. It is going to be an awesome adventure. Go to thesparkfile.com to register, but do it soon because it all starts May 13th. thesparkfile.com. Register now. Thank you.